always kind of feel bad when I do this. It's just smiles dissipate. You can sit next to your friend if you want to. You promise not to talk during. <laughs> well, again, it is so good to see all of you. And um, I know in, in times past, um, there has been some years that we have uh, foregone our Wednesday midweek uh, leading into midwinter camp meeting. But since we were in a series, I, I just didn't want to lose the momentum. And, uh, and so I, I would strongly encourage you to go and be a part of what's going to take place um, Thursday and Friday. Great speakers, and uh, you definitely will be blessed. Amen. All right, so last week we started a conversation on the anatomy of a prayer. Jesus' disciples came to him and uh, asked him an important question. They, they said, teach us to pray. And I think no matter how long we've been living for God, um, sometimes the, the power and the practice of prayer gets overlooked. And, and so Jesus starts by saying, this is how you're going to pray, our Father, which art in heaven. And last week we talked about how that first part, our Father, is the way in which we are to approach Him. Uh, we are to approach Him as our Father, and we are His child and so that means a couple of things. That means in our approach, we can be persistent. It means we should definitely approach with faith and with a holy fear. Uh, we should definitely approach with humility and with honesty. We said you, you can't, you can't uh, conceal anything from God, but you can withhold everything from him. And so this is, this is where we kind of open ourselves up to him. And then the second part of that is hallowed or holy be your name. And we said this is our adoration for God. And before we ask him for anything, we're going to praise him for everything. And so before we get into the, the next two verses, we're going to look at verses number 10 and 11. I want to hit on, again, the basics of prayer. I, I, this allows me to kind of have a, a series within a series. And uh, so last, last week, we looked at some basics from, from Jesus and, and looked specifically at verses 6 through eight. Um, but tonight I want to look at some basics from Daniel, and then we'll go back into our, uh, our talk on, on the Lord's Prayer. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10. We're not going to give context. We're going to just take these two verses as is. Verse number 10 says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day, and prayed and gave thanks before his God, and was as was his custom since early days. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplications before his God. Maybe you see it right away, but but these are kind of uh, four tenets, if you would, that we have been trying to be very redundant. That as we teach prayer, we we encourage people to include these in their prayer. And so the first one. Uh, is, and you're filling the blank, he had a place to pray. Daniel had a place to pray. It says he went home and he had a, an upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem. We see, we see this, uh, again, throughout Scripture, that as people prayed, they had places. Peter was on a rooftop when there was a vision of a cloth with animals coming down uh, Lydia and some devout women went to the riverside, and it says it was their custom to pray down at the riverside, and that's where a church was born. Jesus, in Luke 11, 1, said he was praying in a certain place. So he had a certain place. And he told us in Matthew 6 and 6, when you pray, go to your room. And when you shut the door, pray to your room. So, so what does that mean? What, what, what am I trying to say? Um, a couple things. For, first, I think we should try to have a regular place of prayer. Now, this isn't law. This isn't legalism. Um, but this is, this is something that we have a place that's devoted to spending time with God. Uh, it can be your bathroom. It can be your bedroom. It can be your basement. It can be... Now, I'm not saying that you have to have a room that that's all you do in it. And when guests come in and, and they're like, can we go into that room? You're like, no, that's the prayer room. I'm sorry. Nobody gets to go in there except at this times. But, but it's, it's something or, or, or a place where when you walk into it, you know 
there's a mindset shift that takes place. Uh, you know that there are rooms in your house that if you pray in them, your mind will start to wander. You, if you're pl- praying in the laundry room and there's a whole bunch of dirty clothes, it, it's going to be hard to pray because you're going to see those clothes staring at you. Uh, have you ever been praying and you notice things? You notice the dust that's accumulating. You notice in the bedroom that, that the, the bed isn't made. And you think, well, you know, I don't think God would mind if I start making the bed while I'm praying. And, and then you're starting to fold clothes and then you're dusting. And before you know it, it's like, oh, wait, I was praying. And, and so I think it's important to have a place where you can rid yourself of distractions. You can turn off notifications. You can uh, resist the urges and the temptation to multitask. And it's also a place where you can have freedom in his presence. If I, I know when I go pray, if I go out into the living room and pray, I am a loud prayer. And my daughter wouldn't appreciate it because she's trying to sleep. And so out of respect for her, I I go into the basement. I have a place in the basement that I can be as loud as I want to be. And they might hear it up through the vents, but if they have, they haven't complained of it yet. You know, and, and so again, if, if, you're, if you're wanting to pray on the bus on the way to work, you know, and the presence of God moves, you, you may not be inclined to, to raise your hand. Maybe you will. Maybe that's okay. But, but go to a place where you can have freedom in his presence. The second thing is he had a prayer posture. Scripture says he knelt down on his knees. Uh, when, when Moses approached God in Exodus, it says he bowed his head toward the earth. Uh, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, it says he knelt down and prayed. Paul told Timothy, he said, I would that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubt. When John saw the Lord, it says he fell as if dead. He, spe- he fell prostrate before the Lord. And, and so there's, there's many prayer postures. You can kneel, you can sit, you can walk, you can stand, uh, you can lay. Uh, again, I think what this does is this signals the flesh. There's something about what, when I bear my head into that pillow on the couch, that I, I'm not worried about anything else that takes place. Uh, or when I lay down, or, or you know, again, it, it's, it's signaling something to my flesh and to my spirit, and it's, it's making this connection. We talked about spirit, soul, and body, and, and there's, a, there's a, a, a moment where all three of them are coming into unity, and the body's not off doing its own thing, and the mind's trying to capture God's attention. The, the third thing is he had a time to pray. Scripture says he prayed three times that day. And then it says this was his custom, or, or in other words, this was a habit. Some, someone once said that a habit will carry you beyond your desires. I believe that might be in your handout. A habit will carry you beyond your desires. Many people have desires to pray, but between, between desire and habit is work. Between being a person that prays and having a prayer life is work. There's, there's many people that, that, that go to church on a regular basis and they say, I pray. But now if you ask those same people, do you have a prayer life? Meaning, do you spend at least an hour with God each day? Majority would say no. And so we want to go from just being people who occasionally pray, uh, pray for the food, pray before we go to bed, to people who have a prayer life. And you'll never develop a powerful prayer life without scheduling and defending it. And I believe that, again, is in your fill-in-the-blanks. Without scheduling and defending it. Maybe not. Maybe I I didn't put it in. I I forget. Thank you. And and so there is a time, and you've heard me say it, I I have a time that's built into my schedule. If you ask to meet with me at that time, I will politely decline. Uh, And This is my consistent time every day. And you should, I believe, have a time scheduled if you want to defend it. And then the last thing is he used his voice. The, the, the first time we see prayer mentioned in Genesis, we find something about prayer. We find that, that the way in which they did it was by using their voice. It says men began to call on the name of the Lord. It was vocal. It wasn't silent. It was an audible conversation with God. And again, we see this as, as you go throughout the scripture. And here's just a couple. Uh, in, in 1 Samuel 1 and 10, it says, And she was in bitterness of soul. Hannah was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. 
Jonah 2 and 2, he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and he heard my voice. Psalms 142.1, David said, I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord I make supplications. And, and then Jesus gave us an example in Hebrews 5 and 7. It says, in the days of his flesh when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears. Again, th- this is not saying that you can't pray quietly to yourself. And I want to I w- I say this. I, I, I believe it was the last time I had mentioned this. Uh, someone said to me, well, I don't pray out loud because I don't want the devil to hear me. Don't, don't be concerned about the devil. We take authority over him. And so if we, if we, are, if we are positioning ourselves and we're afraid that the demons are, I hope the demons are hearing me. Because we take authority over that. And so that's, again, posturing yourself in a position of faith. That when I pray, I, I'm dispatching all of the angels. Not that I have that ability, but the Lord is dispatching those angels. And his presence is coming into that room. And if the enemy has the goal to come into that room, well, he's going to be in for a fight. And so use your voice because in that moment it helps your thoughts and, and, and your mind from wandering. Words have this way of calling our mind to attention. And so again, when you use your words, it's hard to, and some people have mastered it, but it's, it's hard for some to, to talk and have your mind in a different place. There's something about speaking that, that caused your mind and your, and your thoughts to get behind it. So Daniel had a time, he had a place, a posture, and he used his voice. And you may want to do the same. Now, looking at the Lord's Prayer, we're going to focus on, again, two verses, verse number 10 and verse number 11. And starting with verse number 10, again, Jesus said, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm going to take these in three parts. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We, we can say as, as a, a whole that these are prayers of surrender or submission. And I, I would say this might be the most important part of your prayer time. Because this is, as you'll see, where we align with God. He, Jesus said the first thing you're to pray is your kingdom come. And, and in your fill in the blank, this is where we submit to his lordship over our life. The, the kingdom is the realm of the king. It's his dominion. It's his domain. It's his influence. And within the kingdom, the king's word has total authority and might. That's why when the people, we talked a little bit about it on Sunday, when the people said to Samuel, we want a king, he said, okay, understand, if I give you what you want, you just look at the other nations and you want to be like the other nations, but, but if I truly give you what you're requesting, there's going to be something more than just having a figurehead that's over you. You're, you're going to be the kings, and, and the king is going to be able to use your children as he sees suit. If he wants your land, the king's going to be able to take your land because in the, in the realm of the kingdom, the king is in control. And so when we pray your kingdom come, we're saying, Lord, let your authority, your rule, and your reign be in my life. It's, it's a dangerous prayer. It's a, it's a prayer that, that is saying, it's not my kingdom. It's your kingdom. I want your rule. I want you, I want you to be the king in my life. In Romans, Paul would say, in Romans 14 and 8, he said, For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be both Lord of all, Lord both of the living and the dead. And so Paul said, whatever takes place, we are the Lord's. So if he is our Lord, again, think about what that means. We, we, we say titles and we say words, but think about what those words mean. If he's our Lord, then we are subject to his decree. If he is our Lord, then we are his servant. S.M. Zwemer said this way, he said, unless Jesus is Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And, and so, again, th- this is a very important part of your prayer. When you, when you pray this, and I believe, again, this is in your handout, when we submit to his kingdom, we're dethroning ourselves. And, and a lot of us just unbeknownst to us, we go through life and we put ourselves in the kingdom of our life. It's my life. I'm an American. I have freedom. Um, this is uh, my life to choose what I want to do. Well, not when you enter into the realm of the king. And so when I'm praying that king, that, that prayer, I'm saying, David, you're not on the throne. 
you're abdicating the throne for the king. And so the first thing, we are dethroning ourselves. The second thing is we are dethroning other gods. And so the God of money, the God of ambition, the God of relationships, other, other little gods with a small g. He said, I'm a jealous God. I, you'll, you'll have no other gods beside me. And so when I pray that, I, I'm making sure there's nothing else that's controlling me. There's nothing else that, 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 that when God says something to me, I say, I have to check with my work schedule, or I have to check uh, with my boss, or I have to check with my... No, no. When the king says something, he's the king. I don't have to check with anyone, because the king has the ability to say what he wants. So Jesus said, pray, your kingdom come. Then he went to the second part. He said, also pray, your will be done. And this is, and again, in your handout, this is where we surrender our will to God's will. Here we lay down our agenda, and we surrender all things to him. Here's where, um, here's where he may need to break your will. And you may need to say, God, I'm stubborn. And my will, it, it really, it's been used to calling the shots. This is where you might have to go on a fast to break your will. Uh, some of us, this is the last day of the fast, some of us have not been able to fast at all because our will says you can't go without food. They're crazy. And I get there's some medical reasons where some of us can't go, but, but some of us have no medical reasons and we can't fast because our human will will not allow us to fast. We get 10 minutes into the day and our, our appetite, our fleshly appetite says you better eat or, or, or X, Y, Z is going to happen to you. No, that, that's your will that you need to surrender to his will. This is where our motives are purified. This is where that, uh, we enter in and, and pray prayers like uh, Romans 12.1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Th this is where I'm crawling on the altar and I'm saying I'm surrendering everything that I am. My time, my talent, my treasure, God, my family, my house, my career. I'm putting it all on the altar today. And guess what? You're going to have to do it again tomorrow. Paul said, I die daily. And so I have to surrender. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but he that lives within me. Je Jesus said, hey, you want to be my disciples? Deny yourself. Well, I, I don't know about that. Well, that's where you're saying no to your will and yes to his will. And, and this is where you might need to do what the psalmist did, where he said in Psalms 143.10, teach me to do your will. God, God, I want to do your will, but the reality is, is I don't know how to. The reality is, is this flesh has, has been so used to calling the shots that I need you to help me do your will. Uh, understand the will of the Lord does not come naturally. What am I saying? We're inherently selfish, meaning we want our will. We want our way. And if we're not careful, this thought process can leak into our prayer time. And you'll see here at the end why this is so important that we surrender our will to his will. And so he said, you need to pray your kingdom come. He said, you need to pray your will be done. And then he, he adds a caveat at the end. He said, on earth as it is in heaven. I, probably out of this lesson, the, the, the part I've studied the most is this last phrase. There, there's so much contained within these seven words, on earth as it is in heaven. So this is where we pray in your handout, earth would reflect heaven. I heard one person say, prayer is bringing two worlds together. It's bringing the spiritual and the physical world. And throughout scripture, and I'm going to do my best to, to try to, to present this how I've studied it and, and talked with elders and, and in my own prayer time. Throughout scripture, we see moments and things that are an earthly representation of what is in heaven. The tabernacle is an earthly representation of what's in heaven. We see this with, um, with Joshua. Joshua, uh, before he goes into Jericho, he falls on the ground, and the angel of the Lord comes, and, and he says, are you, are you for us, or are you against us? And he said, neither. I'm not for you. I'm, I'm the angel of the Lord. And, and we see in, in that moment, the angel of the Lord has his sword drawn. He's saying there's victory. But that was, that was the heavenly representation of what was going to take place in the earthly realm. Again, in, in Hebrews 8 and 5, in talking about the tabernacle, it said, in, in the first couple of words, it says, who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things, 
And, and so, so the tabernacle was so important because it, it, there, it, was, it was after a pattern, a heavenly pattern. And that's why everything was to be made to the dimensions. Everything was to, be, to look exactly as the Lord instructed Moses because this was a shadow of heavenly things and it was a shadow that would cast into the New Testament and talk about salvation that was to come. And so, again, a heavenly dimension and an earthly realm. Hebrews seems to say that, that we should see earth as a derivative realm and heaven as the source realm. But here's the reality. The reality is sin causes misalignment and disconnection. Selfishness has caused misalignment and distance. And so there's the disconnect between heaven and earth. And so when I pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm saying I, I want there to be an alignment that takes place where what is in heaven becomes what is on earth. Paul would say this. He would say if you were raised with Christ in Colossians 3 and 1, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. It, again, there, there are dimensions and, and, and areas in prayer that, that maybe we have not understood, but there is such, such a, an amazing power that we unleash when we pray in alignment with, with heaven, when we pray in alignment with God's will. And so when you pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're praying heaven's reality into earthly existence. When, when we pray in alignment with God's will, heaven can come to earth. We see this principle in, in binding and loosing. Jesus told Peter after he gave them the keys to the kingdom, he said, whatsoever uh, you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever things you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Some people get this wrong because they think they control heaven with what they do on earth. So I'm, gonna, I'm going to unlock something and it's going to be unlocked in heaven. No, no, no. That's not what's happening. You're not controlling the heavens. Don't, don't, don't get that big of a head. You don't have that kind of power and ability. But when, when you bind on earth and it's bound in heaven, you're coming into alignment. That's why when you say, I bind fear, I bind the spirit of fear, and I lose faith. Well, God's not giving us a spirit of fear. In the heavenly realms, fear is bound. But when we bind it on earth, there is an alignment that takes place. There's, there's an alignment that happens, again, between earth and and heaven, nothing on earth amounts to much until it reflects what it has been designed in heaven. And so it's important we pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray this verse, I think, and I like to pray it two different ways. The first way is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, meaning a geographic location. Your kingdom come, your will be done in New Berlin as it is in heaven. I believe God has, has a, a, a dimension that this church knows not of. And there, there, there are giftings and there is uh, doors that can be unlocked if we are willing to go to that place. If we are willing as a church and a community to align, we, we can uh, do something that, that transforms the entire community. This church, this building will not have enough room to fit everything that God will send. But it, it takes alignment. It takes alignment. That's why there are people who have had visions of churches full and they never saw the fulfillment of that because there wasn't an alignment that came into place. It wasn't God. Again, when God gives visions and dreams and, and when God shows things into the spiritual realm, it's not God if it doesn't come to pass. It's us. And so alignment is saying, God, in this place as it is in heaven, in this in this state as it is in heaven, in this country as it is in heaven, in Israel as it is in heaven. But I think the second thing it is, is it's saying in this earth, this earthen vessel. God, your kingdom come, your will be done in David Meyer as it is in heaven. The Lord said to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the belly of your mother's womb, I knew you and I had ordained you as a prophet to the nations. He said, I had, I had this heavenly, this, this incredible will for your life, this plan and this purpose. I had uh, this, this perfect plan for your life. But it was up to Jeremiah to align himself with the will. Again, some of us have promises and we have dreams and we have things that we feel that, that God's going to do with our life. And, and there are people who sit on pews for long periods of time and they never see the fulfillment of it. Is it God or is it us? It's us. 
God, God can reveal you a dream. He can give a taste of what your future could be. He can give you a promise. But if that promise doesn't come to pass, if that dream isn't fulfilled, it's not God. It's us because God wants us to be in alignment with him. And so every day, you hear what I'm saying? Every day we need to pray alignment. David Meyer, as it is in it, God, I want what your perfect will is for my life. Again, you've heard it say there's the specific will of God and there is the permissible will of God. God has a, a perfect will for your life, but he also will allow you to get off track. And God is faithful and just, and he'll bring you right back on. That's why the gifts are without repentance. And God can deposit things within your spirit, and you'll, you'll see people who, who will walk away for years, and they'll come back, and those gifts will still be in operation as soon as they walk into the door. Because God doesn't hold it. God says, listen, you're back. Now go, run with it. My plan for your life hasn't changed. There, there are some detours that you have taken that, that have caused you maybe to delay some of it, but my promise and my plan for your life is still the same. Amen. Get in alignment with it. Yeah. And so if you felt a call to the mission field 20 years ago, God hasn't changed. You have. Get back in alignment with his plan. Get back in submission with his word and watch what God will do. And so on this geographic location and in this earthen vessel, as it is in heaven. And then the next part of the prayer is in verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. And this is a prayer of supplication, or uh, another way we say it is a prayer of petition. The Greek word for supplication uh, means to ask or implore with passion and a heartfelt desire. Simply put, this is where we pray for our personal needs, this is where we pray provision, we pray for our, our family, our friends, we pray for the needs of others that might be on our heart. But I think there's a couple of things we need to discuss when it comes to supplication. Um, the, the first and, and most basic, and when, when you write it down, you're going to laugh at how, how simple it is, but, but it, it needs to be said. The first thing we must consider is we must ask. Uh, James said, you do not have... Because you do not ask. It's like, a, it's like a fortune cookie. He says, you don't have an answer because you haven't asked. You don't have the miracle because you do not ask. You don't have the, 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 the rejoicing of the fulfillment of the request because you didn't ask. And you may say, well, God already knows it. He, he says uh, that, that before you even ask it, your Father in heaven knows it. Yes, but he still invites us to ask. He, he invites us to bring our requests and our petitions before him. We, we should never think that we're being petty or selfish. We have an open door to the throne. He said, give us this day. Not, we don't have to beg. We don't have to plead. Give us this day our daily bread. Matthew 7 and 7 says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. Therefore, those who don't ask don't receive. This is, this is mind-blowing, I know. You may want to write that down. And we should, you say, well, what needs should we bring to God? Simple answer is everything. Paul said in, in Philippians 4 and 6, he said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. In another rendition, it says, be anxious for nothing, pray about everything. And so he says, when you pray about everything, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard. It physically shows a soldier at attention. It's going to stand around you when you pray about everything. And so Paul was saying there's nothing too small or too big for God. There's nothing that he looks at and says, I'm not too concerned about that today. Um, just move along. I'm more focused on kingdom-minded prayer. No, there's nothing too big. There's nothing too small and the kingdom of God. And so Paul says, bring everything to him. Every petition, every need, every request, everything that's going on in your life, you can bring those right to the throne room. The, the second thing, and again, th this, this might be over, overly simplified, but it needs to be said. We should be specific. We should be specific, and that's the second part of your fill-in-the-blank. I got a question for you. How do you know when a general prayer is answered? Lord, I want you to touch Jim today. Uh, I mean, is there a moment where Jim calls me and says the weirdest thing happened? <laughs> I was on lunch. I was sitting at the table, and I felt a finger poke me in the face. It was like a hand, a warm hand just hit me on the face. 
Did you pray today that God would touch me? Because if you did, he, he definitely did. Lord, help her. Now that might fit for some people, right? You just don't know where to begin. And so Lord, just, you, just it's, there's a lot there. Just, just, just anything. But, but no, I, I believe we should be specific. Let me give you an example of this. Matthew 20 and 30 said, Behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. And the multitude warned them that they should be quiet, but they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. So Jesus stood still and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? Isn't it obvious? We're, we're blind. But the Lord still, Jesus still said, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, Touch us. No, they said, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. He, he said, well, what do you want? And they didn't just say, we just wanted to talk with you. They said, no, we're blind. We want to see. And so I can, I can imagine that Jesus knew what they needed. But he invited them to ask. And he wanted them to be specific with what they needed. And so I believe us too. That's why when you come down to the uh, to, to the uh, altar for prayer requests, we might stop you and say, what are we praying for? How can I, how can I join with you in prayer? Be because I can pray a general prayer over you, but I, I like to get to the source of the issue with you. Uh, if, you're, if there's pain in your back, I, I want to pray for your back, and then I want to ask, how is your back feeling? Because I'm just crazy enough to believe that when we pray, God hears and God can answer. And, and so let's be specific when we ask. And then the last thing, and this is where I think time uh, with God, quality, will, will produce quantity. We, we should allow supplication, this is number three, to progress to intercession. I, I had a very interesting conversation with my dad the other day. I called him and I said, I got a question for you. And he said, what? And I said, when does supplication become intercession? And we both went, huh. And then I called another person. I said, when does supplication become intercession? They are like, where do you think of these questions? I said, I'm very simple-minded, and I have to break things down to a granular level in order for me to teach them. But, but obviously, supplication is a form of intercession. Because to, to intercede means to stand in the gap or between God and someone or something. It's praying on the behalf of others. We, we see examples of this within the scripture. Abraham, he intercedes on behalf of Lot's family. We're going to go and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Hey, if you find 50 righteous people, would you spare the city? Yeah. Okay. How about 45? Yeah. Okay. How about 40? And he gets them all the way down to 10. And there's not 10 righteous, but the Lord still goes in and he delivers Lot and his family. Because of one person. Because of one person willing to stand in the gap and say, hey, listen, I have family there. I have family in that city. And Lord, I'm asking you to get a hold of them right now. It was Moses who stood in the gap and interceded for the Israelites when, when the Lord said, listen, I'm, just, I'm, I'm sick and tired of these people. I'm just going to eradicate them and let's just start over. And Moses falls on his face and he says, Lord, surely not. Please don't do that. Because if you do that, the, the nations around will say he, he, was, he was good enough and he was powerful enough to bring them out of Egypt, but he couldn't bring them into the promised land. Lord, have mercy on them. And he stands in the gap. And the Lord says, okay, I'm not going to do it. Paul interceded daily on behalf of the churches. He, he said, night and day, I have you on my mind, and I, I make prayers and intercessions for you. Daily, he had uh, all these churches that he would go to. He, he had them on, their, on his mind, and so he couldn't go a day without calling out their name and interceding on their behalf. And Scripture says in Romans 8 and 34 that Jesus makes intercession for us. And I, I just would say this. God is looking for someone to, 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 to care enough to be willing to go deep enough in their prayer time that they can allow the supplication to go into intercession. Isaiah 59, in the latter portion of 15, says, Then the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice, and he saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no intercessor. Ezekiel 22 and 30 said, So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. This isn't a ministry for one, but this is a calling 
for all. And so, so when does supplication become intercession? The best I could see it and, and talk about it is when it goes from your head to your heart. When, when the prayer request gets to a place where it travels from your head to your heart, there's something that becomes birthed within you. Something that when you become uh, praying selfishly to aligning myself with God, when, when I'm praying in my heart, all of a sudden a burden is developed. And all of a sudden, I, I tell you what, I go to a place with God where I'm in alignment with him and I know exactly what he wants me to pray for. And, and Paul said there are times where we pray and we don't know what to pray for. And he says the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. There are times where I get to the end of my humanity and the end of my flesh, and I don't know exactly how to pray it. I, I don't know exactly what I should be praying, but the Spirit maketh intercessions with groanings that can't be uttered. You see, there's something that wells up within us. There's, there's something that, that, that goes just from me getting through my, my daily checklist, and it gets into my heart, and I say, Lord, I, I'm going to grab a hold of you today. You, you've put a burden within me for this person. I remember, uh, I remember a year or so ago, I was, I was in prayer, and I was praying for backsliders and I began to just call out individuals names and I got to one person and I just began to weep I don't know what it was that day for that person but I just began to weep and I began to think and I said Lord I don't know what they're going through today but Lord you you obviously want me to stop here and I got into a vein for I don't know how long it was but I began to speak in tongues and I don't know what I was saying and I don't know what I was reaching and I don't know what that person needed that day but the Lord prompted me to go and, and I'm sure it happened to me and I'm sure it has happened to you Moments where I was praying for pastors and the Lord said, start praying for pastors in Michigan. Why am I praying for pastors in Michigan? I only know a handful. So I prayed for the ones that I knew. And then when I got to the end of myself, all of a sudden something began to well up within me. That's when supplication becomes intercession. When I, when I go in, and, and if you push it even for, further, intercession can go into warfare prayer, where, where you get to a place where you have a, a tongue that is, that, is, that is almost angry, and you're, you're beginning to do things like Sister Vernon said. You're beginning to slash your sword in the spirit, and you're beginning to pray very direct prayers. And again, you may not know what you're praying, but there is something that's taken place in the spirit where you're right in the vein of what God wants. Do we stop before that happens? Do, do we only get to a certain place where we want to be in control? I, I would say if you get to that place, you can let control go and get to a vein with God where he'll take you places in prayer that, that, that you'll look at the clock and you'll go, man, I got to get to work. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to shower today. Didn't realize I was spending this much time. And so we want to get to that place. As we close, there, there are two key takeaways in bringing these two verses together. And and it might have been implied, but I want to just intentionally state them. Jesus' instructions on prayer, they were intentional and purposeful. I don't think Jesus just gave an order and said, you know, figure it out. But I think God, Jesus was very intentional with the order of how he outlined things to be prayed. And so the first thing, as you get to the end of your handout, is we must get the order correct. And so the first thing is surrender must happen before supplication. Surrender must happen before supplication. Let, let me tell you why. James 4 and 2, he says, you have not because you ask not. But then in verse 3, he says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. He, he said, when you're not surrendered, you begin to ask requests that are so selfish they're not in alignment with God's will. They're not in alignment with his kingdom. And so you begin to pray prayers, and you're asking amiss. You're asking outside of the realm. He said, you're asking that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Lord, I want to be rich. I want The Lord saying, no, no, you're, you're asking the wrong things. And so when surrender happens before supplication, we get into correct alignment, where we're not looking through an earthly lens, but a heavenly one. And secondly, when this takes place, what I'm afraid happens when, we're, when we ask for requests before we surrender, we begin to look at things, we begin to look at God's response or maybe his lack of response, and we begin to get upset with him. Well, I prayed this and God didn't answer it. Well, I asked this request and, and, and obviously he doesn't hear me. Obviously he doesn't care about me. But when you surrender, you know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. You know when I'm in alignment with God, that when I've surrendered to him, that when I ask these prayer requests, and, and I'm, not, I'm not disregarding repetition because that, that, that widow went before the unjust judge day after day after day, 
but 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 sometimes the answer is not the answer you want. I I meant it when I prayed, Lord, heal my wife. And for whatever reason, he didn't. And I didn't understand it in the moment. But the more we've gotten distance from that, the more I see what he was doing in the midst of it. I, I see the things that were being purchased through pain. I see the, the, the lessons that he was teaching us, the, the things that he was doing in us and through us. And I say, oh, that's what you wanted to do. You, you wanted to accomplish your will. You wanted to break this will. You wanted to break that will so that your will could be accomplished. Well, if that's what you wanted, Lord. And so we have to be careful that we don't get it out of line. And, and the, the second thing is, is the power and effectiveness of our supplication is found in our surrender. The power and effectiveness of our supplication is found in our surrender. First John 5 and 14, he says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, Whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. There, there's power in being able to sort between fleshly petitions and get to spiritual ones. Uh, understand this. The effectiveness of our prayer is, is, is not whether, or let me just start the sentence over so I say it correctly. The effectiveness of our prayers is not whether or not they get answered. That's the carnal response. The effectiveness of our prayers come when we are in alignment with God's will. We want him to answer our prayer requests, and so we keep going. But that doesn't determine whether or not our effectiveness in prayer. Just because he answered your prayer and he doesn't answer my prayer. Does it, does, and I get it. Maybe we're doubting and maybe we're doing it wrong. Maybe we're ineffective in our prayer. But, but, it, but you might be praying for, for your lost son, and I might be praying for this, and, and, and I believe it's God's will. But, but just because you get your answer and I don't doesn't mean your prayer is effective and mine is ineffective. The effectiveness is our alignment with God's will. And there's no greater example of this than Jesus. I read this verse earlier. Let me close with it. Hebrews 5 and 7, it says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Understand, in Jesus' humanity, he offered prayer and supplication. He understood the pain and suffering that he was about to endure. He, he knew uh, the nails that he would take and the, the, the whip on his back. And so he prays in that moment in the garden. His humanity, his flesh says, I want this not to take place. If it be your will, let this cup pass. And scripture says he was heard. So was his, a prayer, was his prayers effective? Jesus, your prayer didn't get answered. You prayed for the cup to pass, and it didn't pass. But Scripture said he was heard. Just because our prayers are not answered doesn't mean they're not heard. Just because our prayers are not answered right away doesn't mean we should give up on them. Scripture says in Revelations that there, there's a bowl that our prayers are in, and it's an incense that's going up before the Lord. And, and there's moments where he says to the angels, go, all right, it's time, it's time. And, and so, Grandma, although she might be dead, her prayers are not dead. That mighty woman of God, all the prayers she prayed for her lost children, she may be gone, but her prayers are continuing as an aroma before the Lord. And, and the Lord is wondering if someone else would pick up those prayers, but, but he's heard them, and there might be a moment where he says, it's time to act. But Jesus modeled the importance. He said, if it will be your will, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not my will but your will be done. Lord, if it be your will, I want to be healed. Lord, if it's your will, I, I want this to take place. I, I want that to take place. I want this to happen. I want that to happen. But nevertheless, not my will. Not what I want. Because I, here's the thing I've learned about myself. I can only see a, a small picture of what he's doing. On my best days, the fog outside is even thicker. And I might think I know what's best. I might think I know exactly what I need and what you need and what this church needs. But the reality is I don't because I can only see it's like a puzzle. I've done three or four thousand piece puzzles in the first couple weeks of the year. I just love them. But when I look at a piece, I have no idea what the picture is. 
And some of us judge the picture on the piece. And we're going through a trial, and we're in a chapter, and we judge the whole book by the chapter. We say, if this is what it's all about, then I want nothing. And God says, listen, it's just a season. It's just a piece. It's just a chapter. I I write long stories. Don't let it be according to your will, because if it's according to your will, you're going to miss it. You're going to get bitter. You're going to get angry. You're going to get mad. You're going to reject me. You're going to walk away from me. And there's people that used to be here that have walked away because their prayers weren't answered and because they think God's angry with them. And the reality is is they were praying according to their will. But if we could get to a place where we say, nevertheless, not as I will, not, not what I want, not what you want, but what you want. There's nothing more freeing There's nothing more liberating when when I pray my request, but then I put it back into God's hands and I say, listen, whether you bless me or not, whether you heal me or not, whether you deliver me or not, whether you, you, you make the finances come or not, whatever happens, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. And, and, and I know there's no safer place for me to be than in your hands. There's no safer place for my request to be than in your hands. There's no safer place for my children to be than in your hands. And so I surrender what I can't control. I surrender what, what is out of my control, and I give it back to you. What Would you stand with me tonight? I wonder if we can take just the next couple minutes, and if we could lift our hands to heaven, and if we can pray some prayers of surrender over our life. I know you have needs, and, and maybe we can have a minute to get to that, but would you just take a minute to surrender who you are, surrender yourself, submit to his kingdom. Maybe, just maybe, we've been living this year, and we've been trying to fulfill our will and our kingdom, and we've been getting upset, but what if daily we surrendered to his will and to his kingdom? Would you lift your voice and pray with me? Lord Jesus, I pray, God. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for being such a just king. Lord, you see it all. You're the creator of the universe. You're our Father who is in heaven. And Lord, as a Father, you, you know the things we need before we ask them. Lord, Lord, as a Father, when we ask for bread, you're not going to give us a, a scorpion or, 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 or a, a rock, Lord. But, but you in heaven know the things we need. And so, Lord, today we ask that, God, we would get comfortable with surrendering who we are. Let us deny ourselves. Let us pick up our cross and let us follow after you, God. We understand that, that the cross is, is not the hardships that we have. It's, it's the, the cross is not the sickness. It's not the, the debt that we're in. But the cross is where we put our flesh on a, on a tree and we say, I'm presenting myself a living sacrifice unto you, Lord. And so I pray for my life and I pray for everyone else in this room for their life, Lord, that we would say your kingdom come. Lord, you're the king. And so, Lord, if we've been on the throne, Lord, we ask that you would help us dethrone ourselves. Lord, if there's any other gods, Lord, that have been calling the shots, that have been controlling the way in which we've been acting, Lord, we, we submit ourselves to you today, and we, we get rid of any other god, any other idols, Lord. We don't want anything to compete with you, Lord Jesus. We want you to be our king and our Lord and our Savior. We want you to be the one who leads and guides and directs. Lord, we surrender our will to you, Lord Jesus, and so that's our future. Lord, that's our plans. Lord God, that's our family. Lord, that, that's everything that, that makes up who we are, God. My time, my talent, my treasure. Lord, I know I try to hold on to these sometimes so tight. I try to control them. I try to count every bit of them. But Lord, today I surrender those things back to you because they're better off in your hands than they're in my hands, God. In my hands, Lord, they're atrophying and they're depleting. But Lord, in your hands, they're sufficient for today. And God, in your hands, you can do much greater things in your hands with my life and with my family's life and with everything I have to give you than I can do in my hands. So, Lord, I pray your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, let there be alignment, Lord Jesus. Lord, let heaven come down to earth. Lord, let there be revival in New Berlin. I believe, God, that you have a perfect plan for New Berlin. Lord, it it is not your will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so I I believe that your will for this community is to see, God, a revival of fathers and mothers and children. Lord, of elected officials. Lord, of of civil servants. God, of of, of families, God, that are going through hardships. Of those who are addicted. Those who are going, Lord, through the storm of their life. God, I pray, God, let heaven reflect earth. Let us get into alignment, Lord, so that, Lord, we hear the cry of those that are hurting, God, that we, Lord, realize that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, Lord Jesus. 
Would you help us today, God? Would you help us today? In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus. More than anything, my prayer is not that this church is known for our talent, but I pray God sends talent, and I believe he has. I, I, I pray this church is not known for its preaching, and I believe we have some of the greatest preachers here. But I pray that this church is known for being a church of prayer. That, that when people have requests, they go, I know a church in New Berlin. And, and those people don't just preach something they don't practice, but they practice what they preach. And when they say that they're going to pray for me, they go to the throne room on a regular basis. And they know that they have access to a heavenly father. And so becoming a church of prayer is made up by people that pray, not just a ministry that prays. And I want my ministry team to pray. I want every person that's up on the stage. As a matter of fact, what we're, we're saying to the musicians and, and, and them, if you don't pray, do us a favor and step down. I'd rather have praying teachers than teachers. I'd rather have praying musicians and singers than musicians and singers. And so if you can't commit to praying, uh, spending an hour with God, just, just find another ministry within the church because more than talent, I want anointing. And anointing is something that has to be purchased in private. Anointing is something that, that requires something from us. For, for anointing oil to happen, there had to be crushing. There had to be breaking and so if we're going to be anointed, if we want to be anointed, there's going to be crushing and breaking within our life so that anointing oil can flow from us. And so that has to be purchased privately. And so tomorrow is a new day and an opportunity for us to approach the throne with confidence that we might attain mercy. So I love you all. I'm thankful for what God's doing. And, and I pray you continue in this vein as you go into the rest of this week. Lord bless you. We'll see you back here on Sunday.